On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about First Ontario Centre. You've heard about it, you've read about it, the suggestion that maybe the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs is starting to think about moving. Is he? Well, we're going to talk to him and find out and what he is expecting and wanting from the city with the arena. We'll get to that. Also, Don Robertson joins us. We've got lots to talk about Kawhi Leonard, the CFL, the Maple Leafs, all kinds of stuff. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Piece in the paper today, Andrew Drescher wrote a great piece in the paper. Headline was, Tired of Council's Paralysis by Analysis, Bulldogs Owner Floats Relocation Options. Uh, This is a story that has been going on for some time now. And today, if you've been listening to CHML throughout the day, you've heard Bill Kelly talk about this. You've heard Jamie West in for Scott Thompson talk about this. The one person we haven't heard from on this today is the person we're going to hear from now. Uh, he is the man behind this discussion. He is Michael Landlauer. He is the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and he joins us now. Michael, how are you tonight? Hey, very well, Scott. Yourself? I'm well, thanks. Um, you have pretty studiously, as far as I'm concerned, avoided until now floating, you flo- avoided floating the option of moving the team out of Hamilton. You've always said that your commitment and your desire is to keep it here. This is really the first time that I can recall you throwing out the option that if something doesn't happen, the team may have to move. Why now? I just want to set the record straight. I never, I never floated the idea. Uh, I want to make that, make that point uh, uh, clear. Uh, what Mr. Dreschel talked in, in, uh, in a 45-minute interview I had with him last week was, <clears throat> what if the city doesn't do anything uh, with the present facility? What if, uh, um, you know, what if the status quo is there and, and nothing happens? Uh, and I said, and I, it was to that, to that question that I said, well, I, I, I can't accept status quo. I've been here for, for since 2004 and we've done nothing with the building. It's not fair. And, I, and frankly, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't like to see uh, taxpayers' money going to waste in in in, uh, in trying to fix the, this building you know, to the tune of I think you mentioned this morning on the Bill Kelly show thirty plus million dollars, uh, and, and that's it was on that basis that I said if well then what would you do as I was pressed I said well at the end of the day if if, if the city doesn't want to do anything uh, then then I would you know obviously the, the the you know my my territory ranges from from uh, Brantford to Burlington. So I never I never insinuated that I was going to move out or threaten in any of that nature. And you know me, you've known me for many years, and I think that's I've, I've done everything in my power to try to stay in Hamilton, the city I love. Fair enough, and, and thank you for clarifying. That said, um, it, it is clear, though, that there is an if, there is a caveat, that if the city doesn't do anything, you are at least putting out the idea that something will have to happen. Well, obviously, I'm passionate about about uh, about junior hockey. I'm, I'm passionate about the community, and and uh, I'm, I'm passionate about our fans who who've been so supportive. Uh, you know, and and I'm just looking for something in the best interest for all parties, really. Um, that's uh, you know. So, I mean, if you were put in my shoes, what would you do? What would you say to that question? You know, uh, have you have you bounced this idea off other? folks who are either owners of businesses or owners of teams or anyone else to get their answer to that question? Well, it was, it was, it was put upon me uh, in an interview and I, and I, and I spoke my mind. I was pretty transparent about it. Like what else are you supposed to say uh, at the end of the day? If you, if, if you don't have a house, if you don't have a house to play in, what, what are you going to do? 
The city, I mean, Sam Marula, Councillor Sam Marula was also quoted in the piece, and he was pretty clear that his answer is uh, when it comes to a new arena or some new facility that the city is looking to get out of that business rather than into the business and f- dumping more money into something like this. Where does, where does that put you as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I, I don't know what Councillor Marula is, uh, uh, what he's really trying implying by that. I think what he's trying to imply is that the, the city is, you know, whether through HECFI or through other initiatives, has spent, has spent a lot of money over the years in, in sports and entertainment uh, venue, and uh, obviously this is this is costly to the city to some degree, and and. Uh, uh, and I think my my approach to it is that no, the city shouldn't have to to uh, you know to to look at that as as a uh, you know and, and I think they should be looking at more towards uh, you know what's the economic spinoff on it and let somebody else manage it for them. And that, I think that was my proposal. If I'm going to think, if I'm going to match a city dollar for dollar on an initiative like this, it shouldn't have to cost the city uh, any more money after that. It's, but this, there's, they have to also look at, is there, is there an economic spinoff to having sports and entertainment for having people, uh, living in, in Hamilton and, and being in a, a venue to go and watch a concert or watch, uh, Disney on ice or the Globetrotters or, 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 uh, or the hockey team, a junior, a, a junior team that they can support. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Talking with Hamilton Bulldogs owner Michael Andlauer, who uh, Andrew Dreschel called him in the Spectator today. Tired of council's paralysis by analysis, Bulldogs owner floats relocation options. Uh, Michael just clearly pointed out that that's um, it would be a last ditch thing, not a ideal situation for sure. Uh, some time ago, and you just referred to this before the break, Michael, uh, you vowed some time ago that you would match the city dollar for dollar if there was to be a new arena built. That still stands? I would think so. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I've been a man of my word. Do you have any idea what a new building of the kind we're talking about? Because we're not talking about building a new 17,000 seat arena, as I understand it. Uh, any idea what a new building would cost at this point? Uh, in today's dollars, I'm not. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, I, I think you can look at other venues like in Oshawa or uh, what St. Catharines has, or or in London. Um, you know, and obviously you're dealing with different timelines and so different costs. Uh, uh, but I would I would reckon it would be something in the tune of sixty million dollars. You know, in around the in around those numbers, sixty to seventy million dollars, depending on depending on the technology you put in and the comforts for your, for, uh, uh, for, for, uh, for fans going into this. Okay. And, and the other, the other way to do this, I suppose for the city is they say, well, well you know what, we're not going to build a new arena, but we are going to fix up first Ontario center and keep it going. But the last report that I saw said it was going to cost about $30 million over the next number of years to do the things you need to do to keep it going. And with you giving that number, you just gave us 60 to 70 million. If the city is going to dump 30 million in to keep an old building going and you're going to match dollar for dollar, they could put that 30 million and get a brand new arena. Agreed. And this, uh, this is the frustrating part, uh, Scott, is that it, it's, for me, it's, you know, I, they're spending, I don't know what it was, but some ludicrous amount of like four or $5 million this year to, to fix escalators and, and, and to me, it it doesn't you know it doesn't 
it doesn't fix the problem, but it but it's it's money that if if the if the city had decided to do something earlier, could be spent in in something new. And I think today's fans, you look at the venues today, you know, you don't have to go very far. If you go to St. Catharines or like I said, Oshawa or London, uh, they're far superior venues than, than than what we have to offer here in Hamilton. So. Why not have something fresh and exciting, and, and maybe maybe a, a step above what they have, you know, with the technology, uh, especially today's technology, what you can do for fan experience. Uh, that there's there's something there. Uh, so yeah, spend it spend it wisely. Spend the taxpayers' money wisely. Is, is, and I'm, I'm, you know, this is the frustrating part. One of the other proposals, again brought forward by Councillor Marula, which I thought was actually a very good idea or at least a very intriguing idea, was the idea that the city divests itself, sells the whole block or the whole area that First Ontario Centre stands on. Some developer, builder can come in, build condos, whatever else, but on the condition that as part of the development, there's an arena and maybe a convention centre in there. Is that something that would intrigue you? I, I, I've, I've been open. I mean, we've, we've been, I've been working on this for years now, uh, nothing short of three years, really. Uh, and absolutely, I've been open to people talk about me wanting wanting to be in the mountain. Uh, I, I've been open to say whatever the city wanted. Uh, you know, I was happy to to go along with the best interests of the city. Uh, would I be open to it? I, I guess we have to look at the economics of it, and the developer would have to look at the same thing. You look at the how much land are we talking about? Uh, you know, if you're going to be putting condo towers and or or, or a hotel, uh, you know, tax tax generating revenues for that for the city uh you know and lo- looking at you know you got a convention center that's that uh, you know has been said time and time again is too small uh to attract um uh you know um to, uh, to be attractive to the city to uh, so i'm going okay so you need the you need the you need the land for that uh in order to do that so to try to accommodate everything all under one roof it, it would be interesting to see if it could work but I've always been open to those to those suggestions. It's you know that's up to the you know the way I look at it, that's up to the city to decide how they want to proceed. But you got to proceed. You just can't keep on putting reports out there and and studies to see what if you know. Have and now there are other groups in town and probably out of town that have also expressed some interest in something like that. Have any of the other groups approached you? Have you discussed these ideas or these concepts with anyone else? Uh, on a macro level, uh, we have as a con- conceptually, people have come in and gone, and and uh, you know uh, whether they have the deep pockets to 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 make something like that happen is 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 to be seen. Um, but they, you know, sometimes for self-serving reasons, or you know, uh, I, I've spoken to different groups, but nothing really is, has has come out uh, come out of it. Probably because nobody really knows what exactly was ex- what the city what the city wants. While you say your last resort would be to move the team, have you spoken to any other cities to see if there was a backup plan that could be in place for you? I, I, I've had I've had discussions with with other city officials, but I, I that's you know because of point of interest from other parties, but I, um, uh, I really haven't really looked at that uh, you know in depth. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to make something work. Um, and you know, the the mountain uh, solution is something that I, I came up with. Uh, um, you know, in light of the fact that you know Cadillac Fairview has is the largest taxpayer, and you know, and and the way malls are today, they have to reinvent themselves. And uh, 
I've done, I've, I've had business dealings with Cadillac Fairview before, uh, successful ones in, in, interestingly enough, with, with, uh, you know, sports entertainment venues attached to it. So, um, uh, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. It is uh, It is an ongoing issue. Hopefully there's some resolution at some point. Um, yeah. If not, we'll continue talking about it. <laughs> Michael yeah. Landlauer, yeah. the owner. Sorry? Yeah, Scott, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. I, know you, I, I listened to you this morning on the Bill Kelly show, and you talked about, well, it's just a junior hockey team. And I guess, you know, uh, Guelph today is probably pretty proud of their junior hockey team today, and uh, you know uh, a lot of these venues are, have are the, the junior hockey team, like the ones I mentioned earlier, Oshawa and London and 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 uh, uh, and St. Catharines. The junior hockey teams are the backbones of of those of those uh, of those cities, and uh, I think an important makeup for, for for the city pride. I mean, uh, Halifax is hosting the Memorial Cup starting this weekend. For the next ten days, and it's a, it's a, it's going to be a great economic lift for that city. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this. All right, Scott. Uh, I got to go, but again, if you look at the money, if an arena is going to cost sixty to seventy million dollars, a new arena, smaller than First Ontario Centre to be sure, but a new arena, and you've got an owner who's saying, "I'm willing to match the city dollar for dollar," so there's about thirty million. And you've got a report saying keeping First Ontario Centre going in the next few years is going to cost $25, $30 million. It seems to me you've got only two options, really. I mean, well, you've got three, I guess. You fix it up and you keep going and keep duct taping the place together. You build a new arena because the same amount of money will get you that. Or you very quickly say, we're out of this business. We're selling the land. We're out of here. The problem is... There has to be a decision at some point soon because you can't just keep doing this forever. You've got an answer in front of you. If you don't like it, come up with the other answer. Just don't sit on this forever. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Monday's regular guest who was uh, off with me. Not with me. We weren't traveling together, but was off last week as well. Don Robertson, thanks for coming in. Sat in the parking lot for an hour last week. Did you? Cried? <laughs> I didn't get to do the show. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, Don, of course, is the owner-operator of ComChoice Realty and the guy behind Dundas Real McCoy's Hockey. He's here every Monday. Uh, you know what I did, by the way? I, I told people last hour that we were down for, my wife and I and another couple, we were down in California for a week. But I have a story to tell you before we get going today. The day we got down there, the Jays were playing the Angels. So we decided we'd go to the ball game. You don't. You won't go forty five minutes down the road, but well, we were there, and I've, I've uh, Angel Stadium is a beautiful, yep. beautiful stadium with the rock formation in the outfield, which I did not realize until I got there. If you look closely, it's next, I don't know if the Jays play there again this year. In the rock formation, there are rocks that form the letter A, which I had never noticed before, but it's for Angels anyway. Uh, so we wanted to see the stadium, and we were down there. We thought, oh, you know, I got some tickets on the on StubHub. I got the worst tickets in the stadium. Bought the worst tickets, ten bucks. <laughs> and they were in the back, they were at field level, sort of, but they were in the back, back, back corner, as far away from anything as could be. Sure know how to show your wife a good time. Well, I thought, you know what we're going to do? We'll just move up as far as we can. We'll do the thing that everybody does. And, and, and then the night before, I looked at the attendance and it said they had 39,000 the night before. I went, what? <laughs> we're never, anyway, thankfully there were not 39,000 this night. So we moved up and we were probably about three sections past first base. And batting practice, catch a foul ball. 
Never caught a foul ball before. Caught a foul ball in batting practice. There was a little kid there who had a Blue Jays hat on, so I went and gave him the ball. Six, seven, eight pitches, I don't know how far into the game. Catch a second foul ball. Never caught one before. Two foul balls before the game is How many people were old. there? Well, 400? No, there were about 11,000 people there. And I, I, we've moved into this new seat, which turns out is magnetic zero. Every ball is coming to this seat. So I, now I'm eight pitches into the game, seven pitches, I don't know, and I've got a second foul ball. Anyway. So back. two foul balls and a ball from batting practice? No, no. No, one from batting practice okay, yeah. and, and a foul ball. Yeah. And I give it to another little kid. Uh, who's wearing a Blue Jay hat as well. Anyway, two parts of this story. The first one is my son, who's back home, had been working. He'd been up at 4 o'clock or something in the morning. And so he came home and he says, oh, I know mom and dad are going to be at the game. I'll turn on the game to see if I can spot them. We had told them roughly where we were going to try and sit. And he says, I won't, I, I've only got an inning left in me. And so he turns on the TV and suddenly I get this text message saying, did I just see you catch a foul ball? I was like, yep, <laughs> yep. But anyway, the pitch after I caught the foul ball, I'm taking a selfie to send it. I didn't know he was going to see me. So I just wanted, I was going to give the ball away, but I wanted to show him, hey, I got a yeah. ball. The pitch after, the guy, I don't even know who it was, one of the Jays, hits an absolute rocket that hits the seat behind me. <laughs> And I, I stuck out my hand momentarily thinking, oh, I'll get a second ball only. And I had enough time, which was like to think, yeah, you know what? I'll break my hand if I get my hand in the way of that thing. So I pulled my hand back. I've seen you play goal. I thought you were oh. probably trying to catch it. I pulled my hand back. It hit the seat and ricocheted about a section over. <laughs> it was going at mock speed eight. We had a whole week and a half of vacation left, and I had enough time in that moment to think, I cannot do this with a broken hand. But anyway, yeah, he was. Uh, I hadn't even received his text saying, did I just see you on TV before the second one almost killed me? Anyway, so yeah, that was... Um, That's pretty cool, actually. That was, that was day one. Day two, we went to the Conan O'Brien show. Yeah, Skip on stage. No, but he ends up talking to someone in the stands right next to me, and I end up on national. If I go down to L.A., first two days, I'm on national TV both times. Can't get a sniff in this town. No. <laughs> and I thought, what do we do to get on TV the third day? We couldn't figure out. I mean, the things I came up with were not legal, so Streaking. I didn't do them. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. Anyway, that was, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was my story. I almost got killed by a foul ball while celebrating a foul ball. <laughs> and I don't know if I did the right thing. Well, let me ask you this. Caught this, sec- caught this foul ball, and I went over to this little girl who was wearing a Blue Jays hat and gave it to her, not realizing as I was handing it to her that right beside her was her little brother. Now, I didn't mind giving it to the little girl. I thought it was fine. But I'm thinking, I probably just created the family war of all family wars. I probably should have found a kid by himself or herself. Oh, I'm sure they shared. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them probably lost a tooth whipping it at the other one. <laughs> Or punching the other one. She'll get something for the ball. Oh, maybe. Yeah, she'll, she'll sell it on eBay. <laughs> so, did you watch the basketball last night? All of it. Did you? Yep, the whole thing. I'm not the biggest basketball guy in the world, but game sevens are game sevens. And um, <clears throat> Suze was out with her daughter and came home. What are you watching? I said, I'm watching the Raptors game. What's going on? And I said, well... Kawhi Leonard has missed so many good shots in the first half that if they keep playing that way, the odds are he's going to start hitting some because he's just too good not to. I realize that Kyle Lowry 
is a rat. He's kind of like um, Brad Marchand. Marchand with the Bruins. He was all over the place. He was there to win. And uh, I hope they all were. Well, I know, but some of them come up a little flat in big games. Eh? And those, they all did, though, Don. It was a, uh, up until the it last was a minute. bad basketball. It was a game. terrible game. Well, I. It was a great ending. What was it? Four nothing, six minutes in, because they're shooting like you and I. Not the way you catch, <laughs> but the way we would play basketball. I mean, it was unbelievable. I thought the score was going to be 12-10 at the end of the game, the way they were playing. It but. was a terrible game up until the end. Now, that said, that's not saying that everybody's not going to remember it as one of the great games of all time. I, I'm i not a, enough of a basketball aficionado to know if it was the brilliant defense and Partially. they weren't getting the looks that they would typically get because everybody was grinding so hard. But it looked to me that they were just missing. And missing badly, you know, like shot after shot after shot. I mean, Leonard took 12,000 shots yesterday. So where, yeah, and he did, and and he was the guy that they were clearly going to live or die with. Yeah, that's and, the right call. And that's fine. That's fine. You've got one of the best players who's been on a great tear through the playoffs. You've got to go with that guy, and you just hope that, as you say, you hope that he finds it, which he clearly did. Although what I found really interesting about that last shot, now I hope if people haven't seen it, if people haven't seen the highlight yet, you clearly have been in a coma today because if, it has been if on they TV. they haven't seen the highlight, they're not listening to this sports show. Well, I would think you're probably right, but also you, you must have had no access to any media of any yeah. kind because it has been on a loop everywhere. Yeah. And the amazing thing about it, if you watch Kawhi Leonard all through the game and through the season, his shots come in at a low angle. He has a very do, flat yeah. jump shot. A lot of them did. I was amazed at that. Like, a, they're like a foot above the... Yeah. Hoop, I got, I, I, I'm no... Um, no, but it makes, it's, physics will tell you that's more difficult because... The, of the course angle, it is. That last shot, had Joel Embiid, the guy for Philadelphia, not almost blocked it and forced him to throw it up into the rafters, that thing doesn't go in. It hits the rim and bounces okay. out of bounds. Well, the clock expired when it was coming down. I mean, I know the ball has to just leave his hands before the expiry, but I mean, that was an eternity. It was, and it was way up there, and it was, be- and the shot was altered because of the Philadelphia defender. But it was a tremendous finish. Everybody is going to remember the finish as they should. One of the, I mean, especially with the Raptors that have had, honestly, a brutal history when it comes to playoffs. Well, I mean, they won they, the last three game sevens, but I, I hear what you're saying. But as far as getting it deep into the playoffs, yep. they've had a, they're 24 years old. They've had a brutal history. They've never really accomplished almost anything in the playoffs. So great finish anyway, better because you've been waiting so long for something good to happen. So everybody's going to remember that play, right? Yep. Every, that, that's going to be the, the for, until something better happens, that's I, going to be. I, I think I know where you're going. I want to ask a question before, the, before you carry on. Who was, who was the happiest guy in the building last night? I would say Masai Ujiri, the general manager of the Raptors. Correct. Who made the trade. and if he Vindication. Which is ironic because, again, what we were just talking about, in the biggest game of the year, his guy, who had been unbelievably great yep. throughout the playoffs, but in the biggest game, not only of the year, maybe of the franchise's history, yep. was horrible. That's too strong a word. Was not good. Wasn't was not the best good. player on the court. And... If that had been the last we saw of him and then he decides to leave at the end of the year, which we don't know. That's why I think he was the happiest guy in the building. That anyway. would have, that would, no, that would have been a very, very sour pill to take yep. down. It's amazing how one shot can change everything. 
One shot changed everything. Anyway, you were going down a road. I saw a lot of people, heard a lot of people today, and saw a lot of tweets and people commenting on social media saying that this now becomes a moment, the equal of Joe Carter's home run in 1993, the equal of Mike Weir putting on the green jacket, the equal of Sidney Crosby scoring in Vancouver in the final of the Olympics, the equal of Donovan Bailey and Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson for 24 hours or whatever it was, but all these moments. Do you agree with that? Not at all. It's not even close. See, that's my point. But I've I've had big blowback today from that one. But I agree. I think it is an iconic moment. My tw- I could tweet it out. My twelve followers might know, but no, it's not even close. Why? Why do you think they didn't win anything? Well, they won a series. So what? They won lots of series. Not like that. But it's it's uh, Batista's bat flip. It's. Dougie Gilmore's wraparound on Cujo. In 92. Uh, that's where it sits. It's um, Rocket uh, Ismael, Ism- Ishmael. Yep. Ishmael's catch and getting snowballs thrown at him and going to the end zone. That's where that is. It's not Paul Henderson scoring. It's not Sid scoring the winning goal. It's not touch them all, Joe. Not even in the same conversation. See, I that I, I don't think it's in the top five sporting events or accomplishments or we just I think Toronto and I guess we have to lump ourselves in because we don't have teams is so starving for success. I think that for the most part, if they hadn't won, everybody would have went, Oh well, here we go again. You know, because they don't nobody builds their expectations that anybody in Toronto is gonna win. And so, uh, where, you, where would it be? Where would that be if that had been Game Seven of the Finals and you won a championship on that? Right up there, with all of them. See, then, then I say you put that one in I mean. maybe it's, the top three, maybe that, the top, then certainly it's the with, top five. Uh, touch them all, Joe. Yep. Um, Sid's goal. Yep. Um, it's it's in the category with all of them, but it's the same as uh, the bat flip. It's, it was kind of cool, but when you haven't had anything for 25 years, it doesn't take a lot to be the coolest thing. I mean, it was really special. A lot of people really loved it. I enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed that basketball game more than I've ever enjoyed another basketball game as This doesn't take away lived. from the moment. I don't, think this, the, I don't think what we're discussing takes away from it, the joy of the it, moment or anything. It was an absolutely brilliant moment. It was a great sporting time in Toronto. But when you can't categorize it with the things that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's not in that category. How does it be, what does it become if the Raptors were to go on and win the championship? Does that elevate it? It depends on how they win the championship. It, regardless, if they win a championship and that got them through because they could have lost otherwise, does that elevate it? I don't think it can. I don't think he can change the elevation of well, it. Well, Robbie Alomar's home run, remember when he hit it off Eckersley with the year they won the World Series? is held in high, high esteem because had he not hit that, probably they don't go on and win that first World Series. Is that so higher than because they won the World it's not Series? High, no, it's not higher than Joe Carter. No, 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 no. But is does that hold a higher place in Toronto sports history because they won Absolutely. the World Series? If okay. he had hit that home run off Eckersley and they had then gone on in the World Series to lose to Atlanta, I think we may not forget about that home run, but we certainly don't remember it. At, we don't have it on highlight reels, and we don't l- 
we don't make it a legend. We don't mythic, mythic, whatever myth, mythologize. Thank you. It took me a second to get that word out. A lot of words I can't mm. get out, especially when they got more than three letters. No, but it, it, there are there are certain things. I look at the Bautista bat flip home run, and you know today in the warm glow of Kawhi Leonard hitting that shot, everyone's talking about oh Kawhi Leonard's the best thing that we've. Ever. I put Bautista's bat flip ahead of this one, marginally only because of what had happened around that home run with Bautista. You have to take in the entire seventh inning and the anger and the rage and the... Well, the half hour it took to The Russell Martin hitting the bat of Sin Shu Chu and the beer cans flying on the field and the... the you were air, there. You were at that game. Yeah, and that's not why. But the errors uh, by uh, Odor and all these things, like there were so many things going on that when Bautista hit that, it was like popping a balloon. There was so much tension and anger and everything in that building and emotion this, this was great. I don't know that it was quite there, but I, I'll tell you what. It was up there with you catching the second fall ball. I didn't catch the second one. Well, the, yeah. Uh, if I had caught that one, if I had snagged that one with the bare hand, <laughs> uh, then maybe. The, the thing is, though, you and I talking about this is in some ways irrelevant because I think there's probably a generation of 8 to 20-year-olds that are looking at this as the greatest sporting moment they've ever seen. And they can. This will be theirs. That can be their greatest sporting moment they've of now, all they've time. They've now got Batista and... They're 20. Kawhi. We're talking like a couple old farts because we remember Joe Carter's. And it's funny, everybody remembers the hit and everybody remembers Tom Cheek's radio call. Yep. And when they put it on Sportsnet... They have Tom Cheek's call. They don't have the TV guy's call because it was a great call. And it funny, maybe one of the greatest sports calls ever. Did you remember? And I'm not. This is not a criticism. I, I don't know the answer to this. D- do you? Rem- did you hear or do you remember any of the calls from the Kawhi basket? It, it may be out there and it may be fantastic. Yeah. I just I I don't. <clears throat> nothing comes to mind right now. The basket in this case stands alone without the call. I was listening to a uh, radio station not from Hamilton, so I apologize. That had a replay of the Korean call. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the only words I understood were Kawhi Leonard at the end of it. Ben, I'm going to bring Ben into this for a second. Ben, can you look up? And see if you can find the Korean radio call of Kawhi's basket from last night. Was, see if you, see if you can find it online somewhere. I, I didn't know they were doing the game, but and listen to it first to make sure it's not a joke one that we all get fired and t- kicked <laughs> off the air for. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I look if you are in. Well, the, I heard the I heard the TV one. I was watching it. Yeah, and I, and but the thing about it is, and maybe I don't know. Did I'm trying to think back when Carter hit his home run whether Tom Cheek's words at that moment stuck with me or just the fact that Carter was running around the bases, whether we realize what he said later. I don't, nothing stands out from that, but it could have been a fantastic call that just no one was paying attention to because they were so wrapped up in the game. I'll tell you where the call came from, and I don't know if Tom Cheek had that tucked away. I'm not a play-by-play guy. I'm sure, you know, Joe Bowen's got a few tucked away for when the moment strikes, or maybe they just all But how could you have known? Well, if no. you were Tom Cheek, there's no way you could have. Ex- well, you don't have to, that. It doesn't have to be just Carter. It could have been Scott Radley that hit it, right? I mean, you can you can bank it up. But where I think it came from was uh, Carter hammers it, goes down to first base, and is wildly jumping, 
towards second. Yeah. And, he and I think missed. Tom Cheeks going, touch them all, Joe. Yeah, don't miss one. Don't miss one. I think it was almost like, don't forget to touch all the bases. I, as I say, if you are eight years old, 10 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old, I have no doubt. And I'm not going to take away from the fact that this is probably in your top three greatest moments of all time, sporting wise. Scott, if you're in that age group and you're a basketball fan, and there's lots of kids that are basketball fans now because of the Toronto Raptors, they don't remember Vince Par- Carter nope. going to his graduation and flying to Philadelphia, which. And then missing. And uh, so let's treat but Vince they- Carter like a king so he'll play here forever. And that backfires on them. But, but they, they don't, the kids that age also probably don't remember Vince Carter winning the slam dunk contest that started this whole Canadian basketball yeah. revolution. But I'm saying the Vince Carter game was 18 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm it's telling you, the way. kids 8 to 18 don't remember that. I mean, they've had nothing. A lot of the young fans would have only seen that replay a hundred times in the last 24 hours. They've had nothing to hang their hat on as Raptors fans up until now. This is really the seminal moment for Raptors fans until this point. So you're right. That's their biggest moment. What is going to be really interesting is two things. One, if they can advance further, and they've got a big challenge with Milwaukee now because Milwaukee's a very, very good team that's been smoking everyone in the playoffs so far. If they can get by this, I think, and get to the finals and win the finals, which Golden State is out there still. Uh, If they could do that, this thing gets elevated, I think, because it got them to that point. And the second part is whatever would happen in the finals, if they could win a championship, whatever wins them the championship immediately trumps this one. It just does. If it's another play like that. Even, if they if they win an NBA championship and they win it going home by eight. But then whoever was the guy who dominated that game, yeah, perhaps. that becomes the But there the won't story. be, but there may not be... A singular moment? That's right. I was going to say there won't be one shot. Probably not. As the Toronto Sun, I bought it intentionally today on the way home. Sorry. I get the spec delivered every morning. I pick it up at uh, 5.30 in the morning in my mailbox at the end of the road. But they had on the front page the shot. I believe Stan B. Hall is the photographer, and it was... It was. It's a, it might be an award-winning picture. It was pretty cool. It, that and the one by uh, Rick... Um, I, don't, I can't remember his name now, for the Toronto Star. Both of them should win an award for their photos. Two Toronto photographers, unbelievable photos. Unbelievable. They should. One of them is going to win the well, National once, Newspaper Award, and they both should because they both got unbelievable pictures. Well, here's my other comment. If you're a photographer and you didn't get that shot. I, I talked to our photographers. You're working for a weekly now. Well, yes and no. We just forgot to go to a break. I talked to our photographers about that today because they were – not only admiring professionally what their colleagues at other papers sure. had done, but they also pointed something out. There is a great deal of fortune, of good fortune that goes into getting a great sports photo. And it is, you can only be in one place in that arena. You get an assignment for where you're going to be set up. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard shot it from the right-hand corner in. If those photographers' positions yeah. had been behind Kawhi Leonard, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not getting that picture. You're not getting the same shot. That's, there's no question about that. In the that. picture that Stan B. Hall took of, on the sun, I believe it's his, if you look in the left-hand side, there's a photographer in the picture 
and he's not shooting the ball going into the basket. He is shooting Kawhi Leonard's face, and he was the one who then got those pictures of Kawhi Leonard being swarmed by his team. Yeah. So well, that's all you can get, right? That's it's based on <clears throat> those pictures. It's the reason why Sports Illustrated will put four or five or eight photographers at a Super Bowl game to make sure that if the touchdown goes into the right hand side corner of the east end zone. You've got someone there, not someone who's in the west end zone in the other corner. Where nothing's going on. Where nothing's going on, and you can't get that shot. There's, there is great, there is some luck involved in it. Uh, as we go to break, we'll, we'll send you out to break with the Korean call from the Kawhi Leonard basket. Back after this. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don Robertson in studio. Uh, saw a tweet yesterday that was sent out with a photo of the commissioner of the Canadian Football League who on the weekend was in Mexico City at the final game, I guess, the championship game of the Mexico City football, or not Mexico City, the Mexican Football League. You know that they've been, the CFL has had these negotiations. They're CFL 2.0, trying to have world domination, and they're bringing in Mexican players and German players and whatever. Um, But here's the thing. The CFL right now is negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. They have camps opening on the weekend. They have no deal. They could be looking down the barrel of a strike. I I don't know how the CFL strikes. I don't know how the players do it, considering the money they make or don't make. But nonetheless, you are in the middle of some contentious contract negotiations with your players. Is it not just about the worst optics, the worst look for a commissioner of a league to be not ev- to be looking like he is not even paying attention? Because that's to me, that's how it comes across. Maybe uh, it doesn't to you. To me, it looks like oh, whatever. I'm down in Mexico watching football. You guys sort it out. That, that's how it came across to me. Not at all to me. No, no. Um, first of all, I don't think if he <clears throat> if he'd have walked out of face to face meetings Friday at four o'clock and says, "Boys, I'm going to Mexico for the weekend." I didn't see anybody make that argument. I don't think that matters. I think as long as he has his laptop with him and his telephone with him and, and um, telephone, cell phone with him, he's uh, in contact with his people. He's trying to grow the game. Part of his plan, obviously, is to expand into Mexico. They're having their championship game, and if you want to seem legit and if you want to grow the game, and if that will help grow the game, if it will help grow the CFL, and it will help improve the finances of the CFL, perhaps he was talking about a a television deal with Mexico, which might add $10 million to uh, to the income of the league, which will help enhance the player payment. The players should have carried him down there if that's the case because you don't know why he was there, but if he made that commitment, to go to that game while engaging in negotiations and trying to bring them under the CFL umbrella, I don't think there's any harm in it at all. And I think anybody that thinks differently is is, uh, is wrong. And I think they're offside because they don't know all the ramifications around why he went and how long. He might have been there for 24 hours. Could be. But Could you, be. Do, but he did, I, I didn't hear anybody say he canceled negotiation meetings 
with the CFLPA to go to Mexico. I think if you've got players that are scattered all over North America, which is the case right now because not everyone, they haven't reported to camp yet. That would be, they haven't, many of them are still in the States. Most of them are all across Canada or many of them. And you are living and dying on whether or not you're going to be going to work and getting a paycheck and everything else. To see the commissioner of the league looking like he is just carrying on his own business or the league's business, but where the number one issue of the league is getting a deal with these guys. To me, uh, if I'm a player and I talk to a few players, they're saying, well, I don't really know what's going on at this point with the, with the negotiations. But, but that's not the commissioner's fault. That's the NHL or the CFL Player reps responsibility. Oh, when I say I'm sorry, when I said the players say we don't really know what's going on, they're not saying that. Uh, I, they, I don't. I didn't interpret what they were saying is that the PA was not keeping them informed. They're just it's negotiations. They're just not. Okay, they well, don't know what the situation is going to be. When was the last time an NHL player talked highly of Gary Bettman? And because of Gary Bettman, these guys are very, very well compensated for what they do. And a lot of their compensation increase over the last twenty years is because of Gary Bettman. If this is how the commissioner of the CFL feels he can best grow the league and best grow the grow the income of the league for the overall league, the owners, and the players, and going to Mexico does that, go to Mexico. I'm telling you, pardon me, he had his laptop and he had his phone. If they're going through something that needs his attention, he's going to get it. Really, he was probably off duty for maybe four hours. Maybe four hours. Who goes anywhere without their phone? We've talked in the last segment about how things, how opinions or how perspectives change if certain things happen down the road. We were talking about Kawhi Leonard, if they win the championship or not. If they end up on a strike, does it change the perspective of him being away in this case? Does it, if they don't get a deal, should they have said, you know what, we needed to have been negotiating this a lot harder and spending a lot more time and we needed to have the commissioner back here doing a lot more work instead of traveling around. Does that change the opinion on that? It is if you don't think about it much, I think, Scott. I mean, they've had months to negotiate this thing. But that, this always happens. Why are we worrying about a day? But this always happens. Okay. It gets put down at the 11th hour. I mean, this every negotiation. You think the players the are going to be happy with the deal they get? Depends what deal they get. I don't know what deal they're going to get. But well, it, I, When was I, the last time you saw the players say, we can't believe they caved and gave us everything we wanted or we got a lot more than we thought we would? See, player negotiations and collective bargaining agreements aren't like the draft. So when the Detroit Red, Red Wings are picking seventh or in the first round, every team almost in lockstep will say, we can't believe that Radley kid was still available. Yep. Everybody says the same thing. You pick 97th and you say, oh, that, yeah. we, that guy, we had him at 30th yeah. or every time. We or had fourth. We, yeah, we, we should have took him in the first four picks and <laughs> we, we can't believe he was still there because we had him at number two. But the reality is I think the commissioner is trying to grow the game and I take my hat off to him to not blow off probably a lot of substantial work he's already done. I don't know the whole story. That's my take on it. Until we know the whole story and whether they both took a day off to go back and meet with their respective groups or not, we don't know that. And that's the problem with Twitter. There was a picture picture of him tweeted and everybody's saying, well, he's off in Mexico on a holiday. I mean, you may as well May as well twist it into that. He doesn't even care. He's in Mexico. Probably been there for three. Somebody's going to say he was probably there for three weeks. He doesn't care at all. Well, of course he cares because he doesn't want to see a lockout. The CFL don't have lockouts. And God bless TSN or these guys will be making 15 grand a year. I mean, it's a gate-driven league, but they, they TSN stepped up and gave them a real good broadcast deal. And I don't see 
I don't see Global doing it. I don't see Sportsnet doing it. I don't see the CBC doing it. TSN have made CFL a brand. They've done the best they could with it. And, uh, you know, I again, he works for the owners, and if the owners were okay with it, I'm sure he talked to them and said, this is where I'm going to be and everybody's going to know I was there. Yeah, you, you go nail that deal for us, will you? You get that deal. If you accomplish something you want to accomplish on behalf of the league for that trip, then we can give the players this and we'll just carry on. I mean, it might it, that visit may result in enough success that they can give the players a little bit more of what they wanted. And if that's the case, the players should be bowing to them for going. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to wish everybody, by the way, a happy National Crouton Day. It's a pretty remarkable day to have that we're going to honor a tiny little square of stale bread. We're going to have celebrations for that one. That's what, what a crouton is. What day is uh, buy a piece of real estate day? Ah, well, that's any day at Calm Choice Realty. <laughs> that's a good point. I uh, believe I missed that. The uh, Boston Bruins are up 2 nothing on the Carolina Hurricanes right now in the NHL semifinals. I think probably most people around here will recall, if only vaguely, that it was Boston that knocked Toronto out of the playoffs a few weeks back. The way this is going. Every year. Well, every year, but this year. This year particularly because a lot of people thought this with adding Tavares and everything, this was the year. The way this is going, is this shaping up to be a year that Toronto and its fans are going to be kicking themselves? Because if Boston keeps moving along, you're going to be able to plop Toronto in that and say, look, Toronto could have then beat Columbus and Toronto might be, probably could have beaten Carolina. And this was the, this was the year, just look, the team that barely beat us out is now rolling along. This was the year. Can you make that connection? Sure, sure you can. If is it a fair connection to make? No, but the diehard Toronto Maple Leaf fans, I mean, I love the Leafs, but I don't, you know. I don't think you have to be diehard. I think every Leaf fan will be looking at this, they, I would think. Yeah, but that, so what's the justification? Because the team that beat us then went on to beat everyone else, and therefore... Yeah, but the, if, the, if the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning had not got swept, you had ample time to say, boy, did that ever kick the door open. I mean, all these cards and, and all the teams that got knocked out um, didn't happen after the fact. They knew that door was wide open. All you have to do is play well in Game 7. The thing that Toronto Maple Leafs should be mad at is John Ferguson Jr. For giving Tuka Rask away? Yeah, and keeping uh, uh, Justin Pogge, mm-hmm. who's probably playing and senior Andrew, in and Newfoundland. Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And does John Ferguson Jr. not now work for Boston? He does. Does he? He is the Manchurian candidate. He was the. He there was, is the conspiracy. There theory. is the conspiracy. He the grassy it, 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 took, knoll. it took years to come together, but he traded Toronto's good parts to Boston and then jumped to the Bruins. Eventually, I think he had three teams in between. But maybe it, that was part of the trade. You lay low for five or six years. You stay, you stay unemployed for a decade. Well, no, he's had lots of jobs. He's Hockey's jobs pretty good that way. You know, they they keep a lot of people and they recycle them. You know the 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 one that uh, you're not going to talk about, but I am. Shoot, is a guy I met years ago with Peter Horachuk in Flint, Michigan, when they were running the Flint Generals in the Colonial League. Donnie Waddell was always there. Mm-hmm. 
Donnie Waddell is a good hockey general man. manager of the Atlanta Thrashers. Thrashers and, yep. And uh, Rick Dudley. Yep. Who was, uh, now Waddell was running a team in the eye then, and Dudley was running the Detroit Vipers. And people will tell you that Rick Dudley puts more miles on to go watch hockey games than anybody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. And Donnie Waddell has paid his dues. And everybody laughed because Carolina have a new owner and nobody will take the job because they doesn't want to pay anybody anything. And and uh, you know what? There's only 31 general manager jobs in the National Hockey League. And I'm really happy for Donnie Waddell. I'm a little surprised he hasn't given Peter Horachuk uh, another Give it time. Horachuk will get another turn. Yeah, I mean, his, his, uh, those who remember Peter Horachuk, he was coach of Milwaukee Admirals in the AHL, and then he came up through the Marlies, I believe, and then he ended up in with the Leafs as the head coach for 30 of the most bleak games ever while they were in their teardown suffer mode uh, before Babcock came. Peter and I became friends. He's Stony Creek guy. I tried to get yep. him to play for the brand for Mots Clamatos in the 80s, but he also spent almost a decade with Barry Trotz in Nashville as assistant coach. There you go. Then picked up the Leaf job. But, you know, good for Donnie Waddell because and Because Nashville Dudley. was the senior team, was the, was the NHL team of the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Admirals. that's right. We got time for a parting shot. Shoot. We talked about the Guelph Storm being all in and being down 3 nothing to London. Yep. Robertson Cup champions. Yeah, they came back. They, 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 they were down 3 nothing to London, 2 nothing to Saginaw. Two nothing to uh, Ottawa, who Ottawa. had never been beat. Now Ottawa lost their top goaltender. Well, and Saginaw did the series before to a suspension. So th- there is luck involved. But yep. yeah, the Guelph Storm. So last year, as you'll recall, Hamilton Bulldogs won the Ontario Championship, went to the Memorial Cup. Well, the Guelph st- Guelph Storm with a couple former Hamilton Bulldogs that got traded there this year uh, back to the Memorial Cup again. But yeah, it's um, if you're going to go all in, and they did. And it didn't look good a and couple times, three bet, times. You better win. You better win because otherwise uh, your next few years are misery and you don't have much left. And Let's hope Let's hope the uh, city treat Michael Angelar um, with great respect and we can have a building like Guelph play out of the Sleeman Center. Well, I mean, we got to go. But uh, whatever the thing is that they do with our arena, we talked about this last hour. Michael was on here. Michael Angelar was on here. They just got to do something. You got to make a decision. You just, this can't, we got to go down, but this can't drag on forever. Make a decision and then live with it and go from there. But just if this thing. Well, your decision, if they don't make a decision, they won't have a hockey team. And you won't have a working building and you'll be pouring money into something to keep it going. And then you'll decide and then it's money wasted. Make a decision. We'll talk more about this. Don, thanks for coming in as always. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.